0: This episode contains discussion about suicide. It is hard to to instill behaviour change because, especially with construction, it's a
1: cultural shift. We don't need to fix the women. It's not about that, but it is about the society and around how the perception of um, construction is being.
0: This is Intelligent Rebellion. Howdy, 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 folks. Welcome to episode 17 of the Intelligent Rebellion podcast. My name is Rhea Mercado and I am your host. Today we have Lauren Fay. She's a change maker, a mom of three, and the general manager at the National Association for Women in Construction. Today we are going to bust some myths about the industry and we're going to chat about some surprisingly simple changes which we could all make to help make this industry a more inclusive place for every single human. So let's get on with it. This is Lauren Faye. Hey, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Do you want to just intro yourself so people know who you are in, can you do it in three minutes or less? Oh,
1: hopefully. Um, so my name is Lauren Faye and I'm the general manager at the National Association for Women in Construction. We lobby and advocate for women in construction. We are a not-for-profit. We started in 19. 19- Ninety-five, so we've been running for about twenty-seven years. Uh, we have a staff team now of ten, and we also have about two hundred and fifty volunteers that help NARWIC and make NARWIC what it is today. As well, we represent over eight thousand
0: members. So- eight thousand members? Yes, correct. That's massive. And now, I've been doing a little bit of research in NARWIC, You're an international organization, correct? Right? We have international affiliates. So, whilst we're not connected specifically
1: by organization, we are affiliated with a number of different organizations. So we have um, representatives in the UK, United States, New Zealand, Papua New
0: Guinea, a whole range of different places, even Qatar, a lot of different. And so I think you mentioned that you're the general manager of NAWIC. What is your personal story? How did you sort of land in the job?
1: So that's a great question, Ria. Uh, so <laughs> I guess I started at Nowik. It It's quite interesting. When people ask me this, I always go back to, I was, I was, me- it was meant to be, I guess. And the reason I say that is because I, my, my why or my purpose is behavior change. It's always been something that I've really loved. And so I've worked with a number of companies and developed behavior change programs. And I used to go out and facilitate them and make sure that everything was working correctly. And that was behavior change in schools. I guess I just, found this position and I was working with NARWIC through an external provider called Ensemble and when this position came available I applied for the role and the board. Um, I was very very fortunate to be given this, this opportunity but it always comes back to the why and my purpose which is
0: behavior change so I do feel extremely lucky to be able to live my purpose every day. I'm going to jump in right on that behavior change program. We hear a lot about behavior change. What do you see behavior change being? What are the challenges in all of that? And what is it that attracts you so much to it? For me, behavior change is changing
1: one person's life. And so when we used to work in schools, we knew that we would go out to a class and you know, you'd see 30 students. You might have 10 of those students engaged and perhaps one of them will remember you and actually change a little bit of their life. And so for me, it's about how can we impact somebody one person, anybody. Whilst, you know, there's a there are a lot of behaviour change programs out there, but it's about being that catalyst for change. And for me, it's around how do we, how are we going to be the catalyst for change? What is that? And so with previously it was behaviour change programs, which would we're going to schools and really try to um, make an impact on those children and the same with construction if we can make an impact on not only the women in construction but men then we can change the culture and society and construction has a really bad perception it's viewed negatively a lot of um, parents of females don't want their their daughters going into construction because of this perception and so it's about how do we change the culture that construction has and I was at a school last week and I was talking with the students and I would ask them, what does construction mean to you if I said that? And it was the same answer with every table I sat at and it was like, oh, working on tools and hammers and building the, you know, construction and, you know, macho men and that was the Mm -hmm. the responses we were getting. So once I turned it and told them uh, stories around women in construction and these are personal stories that I know of, both of females and males, students were just, they changed dramatically and their faces were like, really? That's, oh, you can do that in construction? I didn't know mm-hmm. that. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about behaviour change, but it is is—it it is hard to, to instil behaviour change because especially with construction, it's a cultural shift. It's actually yeah. nothing to do with the women. We don't need to fix the women. We, <laughs> we, you know, it's not about that, but it is about the society and around how the perception of um, construction is being
0: You mentioned that you tell a couple of personal stories in the schools that you were at. Are you able to share maybe one of those stories that will bust the perception to our listeners and our audience?
1: I'd love to. So one of the stories I talk about is about this beautiful woman who was a beautician. So she studied to to be a beautician, finished her, her, her trade in beauty and decided that that wasn't for her. So what she decided to do was actually bricklaying Uh, which is completely different from (laughs) beautician, right? So she's this bricklayer. I guess the stereotypes of what a bricklayer is completely mm-hmm. changes when you think of this this beautiful woman who's just finished her beauty degree and <laughs> goes into bricklaying. Um, not only did she, she finish and complete her bricklaying trade, she actually started her own business and completed her first couple of houses already, and she's only young. I guess that breaks a lot of the stereotypes. And for these young girls that I was speaking to about, this particular woman they were like really you know and mm-hmm. I was like yes yeah, she 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 gets out there she does what she wants to and she builds this house and she started as a beautician so you know they could they could just see that wow a woman is building houses and loves it and it's just a different way to think it's, of it
0: yeah it's super cliche but it's true it's that unless you see it or hear of it you don't know about it you don't know about it and you can't no. some people can't imagine that that's right it's not monumentous what we're trying to do, like changes that one kid, that one girl that you're talking to at that one school who went, actually, I wanted to be a beautician. But bricklaying sounds fucking cool too.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? And that's what they said. And and then when I tell them about the earning capabilities that you can earn as a bricklayer, a mm-hmm. lot of them went, Oh my God, maybe I'll do that for my first five years after school. I get some money. Um, which is really cool, right? Like, because you know, a lot of these students are really thinking about their career, but they're also thinking about it from a money perspective, which is important, mm-hmm. right? That's why you go into they never think of construction. So hearing this of this you know, amazing woman who's not a man or big and buff like Mm -hmm. just going out and doing her role and loving it. They were just they were blown away. They were like, this
0: is cool. Growing up, we've always perceived that girls do this or boys do this or we speak about professions and where the money can be made and 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 what other um feedback are you getting from these students? What else has surprised you about some of their responses? Um,
1: well, I guess it's not really a surprise, but it just it just validated what I had thought. So when I would go out, when I went out to the school, I was at um, Kingswood uh, just the other week, and the question I asked was, "What do you want to do? Tell me a little bit about you. What are you thinking of doing?" And you had different responses. You know, some people wanted to be a nurse, a teacher. Some of the boys. I also was talking to the boys, and they were plumber, electrician, or there was a whole range of different things coming out the one question when asked was why do you want to do that and is there someone in your home that does that and most of the time it was yes my mum's a nurse or my my mum's a teacher and my dad's an electrician or my dad's a plumber and it guess it validated that what they see is Mm -hmm. all they see so if if your mum's a teacher that's kind of all you really see or really know um and even you know i was speaking to one of the police officers that were there on the day talking to the students as well Mm. and it was the same in his family you know all they came from a long line of police officers so it's just like a tradition where they i don't know if it's a tradition or if it's just something that they see this is what it's the role role modeling exactly it validated that of course we're going to have more men in construction than women because more men are in construction and this is what they see it, it was just a really interesting conversation to hear that um and then to see
0: that they could change their thought process was awesome really really cool to see and that's a part of you mentioned that behavior change is just a simple acknowledgement of oh yeah i could probably do that yeah that's and, it and that, that that's enough Yeah, it's that potential
1: of, you know, oh, I didn't even know that existed or, you know, when we talk about construction and and all the different roles that are in construction, a lot of them went, what? What? (laughs) How? Really? It was just nice to see that there was a little bit of a different thinking going on around construction. You know, there's a whole range of roles within construction that aren't Mm -hmm. considered blue collar. They're actually white collar, which, you know, when you think of construction, you think of More blue collar roles, or at Mm -hmm. least these students thought of the blue collar, you know, oh, I have to do this and I can't do that. I'm not very good with my hands. And it's like, well, actually, you know, there's lawyers, there's marketing people, there's like a whole range of people within construction. There's construction law, big businesses have all of these people that work Mm -hmm. for them. There's pretty much a job for anyone within
0: construction. What are the challenges for her as a woman in construction? Explain to us the culture, what you see currently, and then we're going to, as we do at Intelligent Rebellion, move into optimism and billion-dollar <laughs> ideas. Yeah. But Let's let's start with the culture currently. Obviously, I, I'm not actually a woman in construction, so I can't tell you from
1: first-hand mm-hmm. experience, but I can tell you what I've heard and what I can see that goes on and, and the feedback that I've received. Mm-hmm. There's challenges in every industry. That's what I know because I've been in a lot of different industries and see the challenges. Um, The biggest ones around construction are things like not having a toilet on site. So that is insane to me that we're in 2022 and a female doesn't have a toilet on site another another lady came to me and she had suggested something within their company which was perhaps a toilet on a bus because they're going to and from work sites which are two and a half hour rides but the women are expected to get off the bus and just pee on the side of the road with the men and so suggesting perhaps we get a coach with, um, you know, toilets in it, just little things like little that things, that okay. people wouldn't even think um, mm-hmm. are an issue, uh, such a massive issue for women. And again, this stereotype of what it looks like to be in construction is always going to linger. If For example, uh, a lady who is a traffic controller is referred to as a lollipop lady. Mm-hmm. But if it's a male doing that role, it's a traffic controller. You're not going to call him the lollipop man, right? So it's about, you know, why are we talking about women being a lollipop lady, which really doesn't actually take into consideration that she has had training to be a traffic controller. Exactly the same as her male counterpart. Exactly and it's yeah. actually it's actually quite a a really important role to play in the construction space if it's a woman doing it they tend to you know sexualize it or change mm-hmm. it so it doesn't seem as important whereas if it's a male doing it it's you know it is what it is and there's a lot of those myths that are still in construction and it's around you have to lift all these heavy things and women physically can't do that mm-hmm. that again isn't true there's OHS standards now there's things that help you lift things there's robots that demolish things there's <laughs> yeah. so many things now That you don't have to ruin your back anymore, and that's not just because women are coming on on site. They've changed that for everybody to help everybody. And so I think it's really important that people start to recognise that they're not changing the rules for women. They're changing the rules. Because it's it's not okay. And I see it from my dad. He spent his whole life in construction. And those lifting those heavy bags of cement or whatever it is he was lifting all those years
0: have led to his early retirement because he can't do anything. His back has yeah. given out. To that point, I'm an exercise physiologist by profession and I've done a lot of strength and conditioning there are pretty strong women and there are pretty strong exactly. men and there are pretty weak women and pretty weak men out there exactly. as well. Now, yes, someone's going to argue biology, science, that it doesn't matter. Women are always going to have smaller muscle mass, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Yeah, okay, fine. Let's park that argument. That's what we're here to do. We're here to discuss that in a way, well, in every way, women are as capable as men in the construction industry. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. <laughs> A hundred percent, it is, and this is, right.
1: and it's living proof just by seeing the bricklayers. There yeah. are different women that are bricklayers, and some are tiny women. <laughs> but when you listen to their stories, it's it's around. Well, my body yeah. got used to picking up the bricks and picking up cement, and and you you do your your body will adapt to it. So there's there's no limitations
0: for women at all within the construction mm-hmm. industry. But, But also that that just being clever and smart as a human and adapting and using technology, as you mentioned, to do these tasks for us. And not just because I'm a girl, but because it's good for our entire industry and our entire workforce. In my mind, when I was thinking about this and researching it and and wanting to talk to you, it never occurred to me that a cultural change is as simple as I need a toilet. Oh, yeah. That just blew my mind. Is there anything else that is is so simple like yeah. that, that you've noted suitable PPE. So a lot yeah, of women okay. can't find suitable PPE. It's those simple things that will help women feel that they are welcomed within the
1: industry. Or
0: Can I get an example of PPE? Because we're going to have, yeah. oh, we've got people who are in work health and safety who listen to this. Like, shout out to them. What do you need? Yeah. Well, <laughs> good fitting pants for women.
1: High-vis vests. It seems really little because they mm-hmm. are high-vis vests and they're, you know, usually quite cheap. You buy them wherever. and. But they're ill-fitting for women. They don't Mm -hmm. fit right. And so for the women who are on site, they're just like, they're so annoying when they have to go on site, put them on. So it's just those little things that will help women because for so long they've had to buy male versions of of pants or shirts. So having really great PPE is really important for women because it makes them feel that, you know, they belong in that industry as well because there is specific PPE for them. There's another problem that we have. Everything that comes out, not everything, but a lot of the stuff that comes mm-hmm. out for women in construction is pink. And so if you're like me, for example, even though I don't work in construction, pink is not my color. Do not yeah. like pink. Um, <laughs> will not wear it on- but You real- and I differ because yeah. everybody knows about my
0: bright pink jackets. <laughs> there <you
1: go>. but, <laughs> but I see, get what you mean. It's not for everyone. <laughs> but it's not for everyone. So I, I guess assuming that pink is the color for women, it's another stereotype. It shouldn't be there. I mean, it's just a color, right? Like for example, if I were to go and buy boots or anything, pink is not the colour I would choose. If there was yeah. a black one or a pink one, I would go the black. That's just a personal choice. Now, there might be women out there who love pink and that's fine. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. But I think it's the variety in which we look at. So rather than just having everything pink for women, yeah, why not have all of those varieties so that a woman can go in and choose? I mean, when we're looking at men, they don't just make blue boots for him. So we need to just make sure that when we're, when we're thinking of women, it's not just those pink colors, you know,
0: neutral colors. It just seems to be the default. That's right. And I'm going to, I'm going to probe you a bit more because you've got a background in behavior change, right? Explain to me what your thought process is about why we default to these things, particularly in construction. It's a great
1: question again, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it's an unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. So I do believe unconscious bias plays a part in the way anybody acts or thinks. We, we have seen from different men in the industry in construction as well that will do something for a woman who's in construction because they, they think they're helping or they want to help or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And that's nothing, there's no ill intention or bad intention, but what it does on the other side is that it makes that woman feel less or that she can't actually do the same things or that they they have to help her. But actually, women in the industry, a lot of them will tell you that they they don't want that. They don't want people to look at them with pity or look at them with, you know, oh, we must help you or I'll help mm-hmm. you, I'll grab this. Because what they're there to do is a job and if it's the equivalent of someone else, then it's the equivalent. So it's not, I I think when we look at behavior change unconscious bias comes into play because it's just how we've grown up it's yeah. just a generational thing and mm-hmm unless we change that right we're always going to have that unconscious bias lingering in the background we're always going to think that construction is all men and that's Mm -hmm. all we think of we always are going to think that women are just baby makers and that's what they are and they should stay at home which this is not this is not how it is um evolved as a society as well across every industry we have across the entire world and we need to just keep evolving and i think that's the problem with behavior change it's how do we tackle those unconscious biases biases to to change the industries to change the way we look at pink and blue at the moment if you dress a baby that's a boy in a pink shirt, automatically Mm -hmm. that's a girl in people's minds. What's really interesting to me is, you know, if my kids were dressed up in a boy's outfit, they would be classified as a boy. But how are we speaking to them? Is it differently Mm -hmm. to how we would speak to a girl? Will we speak to a girl as if, oh, you're a princess and you're so beautiful? And when we speak to boys, is it you're really strong, You're you're really super fast, you know? Do we say to boys, oh, you're so pretty, you're such a prince, this whole thing around behaviour change, it's how we interact with
0: everybody. It's how we interact with men, boys, girls. And literally from the beginning of life. That's right. Like from that very first thing that we put on them as their tiny little babies. That's such an interesting point. And I I could just dive into that, but <laughs> I won't. Oh actually, no, I do have a question. So I'm gonna put that on its head. Are women also potentially responsible in leading the perception or encouraging the perception?
1: Um, I guess what I have seen um, from what I've been privy to and what from all of the different data that we've collected along the way. Yeah. I think it's also there, there's something to talk about women in general. And mm-hmm. so, women, do women hold other women back as well? That's mm-hmm. a big, a big talking point. This isn't about, you know, only men do this badly or only yeah. women. I think as a society, we have a cultural problem and we have to change it and and it's not one one person needs to do better or the other it's and, that's and- everybody
0: in construction particularly you're in a great position you hear a lot of stories you're getting a lot of information you're you're collecting data through now actually seeing things at every level from students all the way up to people who've been in industry for a long time and big organizations small organizations what needs to happen if you had it your way lauren <laughs> <laughs> what a dangerous question here is the billion dollars you yeah. can do whatever the heck you want to help fulfill your mission with Nowik. And if you want to go and just repeat that mission of Nowik, how are you going to do it, my friend? So, yeah, there's a lot of places to start. But I do believe
1: that education, as Nelson Mandela said, so beautiful. Education is the most powerful tool that will change the world. And we have to get educated. We have to start educating parents, teachers, students around what this looks like. We have to change the way that we look at, you know, if a boy plays with a doll that doesn't mean he's less of a boy. And if a girl plays with building blocks and construction toys, it doesn't mean she's less of a girl. So I think if I had it my way, it would be around how do we actually address the stereotyping? Mm -hmm. Um, Because stereotypes that start from such a young age also go into the construction industry. Behaviour and construction has such a problem with suicide that we have to address this culture because it's actually killing our men. So in construction, a male will uh, commit suicide every second day, which is just astonishing. So every second day, we have one person dying from suicide.
0: I'm going to unpack that a little bit because I'm curious as to, obviously, there are a multitude of causes and reasons for that. What have you been seeing or what has the industry been seeing around that?
1: And I don't have the specific data, so I can't really pinpoint certain things. But I guess a lot of it comes back to the mental illness that surrounds construction. What does that look like for someone in construction? Why does it affect our men in construction so highly? And Look, we know that there's data out there and it was from Ernst & Young 2020 showed that, you know, having women in your company creates more innovation, um, better collaboration. There's a whole list of why having women in your organisation is a good tool. So is this why there's such a big issue in construction? Is it because we only have 13% of women in the construction industry? And if we had more women, what would that look like? What would Mm -hmm. that look like for our suicide rate? What would that look like for men? Would they feel comfortable to talk about certain things that they can't really talk about with other male counterparts? I know, you know, when I used to go to my husband's work site, and he's not in construction, but he's still in the mechanical world and the trade Mm -hmm. world. I used to get all of The guy's coming up and wanting to have a chat and they're chatting about (laughs) certain things and my missus did this and this happened and what are your thoughts or my daughter's doing this or my son's doing that. It was a really interesting observation for me because I I was just taken a little bit of back by it because I would come home and speak to my husband and say, oh, did you know that this person, you know, had this conversation with me about this? Did you know that was happening in their life? And it's like, oh, no, not really. So why is it that they find that they could talk to a woman who came in? Obviously, this is a... as a worksite just full of men yeah. so why do they feel that they could talk to women is it because they it's
0: someone different is it because they don't feel like that they, they can talk I guess about certain things or or, or Lauren is it the unconscious bias being a good thing where in their life growing up they've always turned to a mother figure or a maternal figure who they perceive to be softer more open easier to speak with versus maybe a paternal figure or a father figure or a male figure who was very much oh he'll be right so maybe the unconscious bias works in a good in way in yeah. both ways like I think there's often this perception that even I have go oh unconscious bias is awful but there are times when it can be really positive positive. and you did touch on the point of um, education and collaboration who needs to come on board who specifically within the industry needs to buy into this to make this actually work it comes down to everybody
1: so for me government is a big one because when government mm-hmm. put out a policy or a, or any kind of strategy if it's something that they implement then others have to follow For me, this is more than just what, you know, the government says we have to do or what policies we put out. It actually comes down to do we want to actually fix this? Do we really Mm. want to or are we just talking about it? Because if we're just talking about it, the same thing's going to happen. Nothing will change. And if we're just doing it to tick a box, is that also productive? No, it's really Mm. not. This has to come down to... Every person, every individual within wherever they're working, government, industry, education, wherever they're working, they have to want to change. They have to want to actually think of their own unconscious bias because if you don't change your own unconscious bias, you can tick a Mm -hmm. box, but that doesn't mean your self-belief is different. So you will always have that. So if you are in charge of hiring people, If you're really looking at hiring for skill, then it shouldn't matter if they're females, males, black, white, it doesn't matter. It comes down to the skill level and that's what we should be looking at. Um, And sometimes that unconscious bias can kick into that stage as well, where you're like, oh, but she's a woman. I'm not really sure about it yet. She could have all the skills in the world. But unless you want to physically change the way you are perceived, that whole conversation that people have after it, which I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and that was the same. He had put through a woman and one of his workers said to him as if we're going to hire a woman why would we do that we'll just get like laughter and people will like just you know take the piss and I'm like really that stopped you from hiring someone who was highly skilled and yeah and probably the best
0: person for the job that's right again it comes down
1: to the person and that person willing to actively change and to accept
0: criticism and to mm-hmm. tackle it on on the face and say yep I hired her because she's the best person for the job what are some of the tokenistic things that you've seen and again it's always about intention people have good intentions so what are the things that you've seen that people have implemented but may have maybe not have gone as far as yeah you would have liked. Um, so
1: there's been some conversations where they've they've asked what we can recommend about how do we get more, more women into our companies. Uh and a lot of that comes from, you know, anything that a government has put in place. So if a government has put in place that you must have X amount of women, we tend to see a a lot of that uptake, like, okay, well, how do we get women? Because to win tenders, we now need to have women. <laughs> women. You ask a simple question, which is just a simple question. So Tell me about your policies. What are your policies around parental leave or working from home? Are you flexible? What does that look like in your company for everybody, not just women, for everyone? Mm -hmm. And we're often met with, oh, we we don't really have that policy or we "We just give the standard parental leave. Okay, well, the next step is actually fixing your company to make sure that all of your employees are, are happy with that direction and that movement to what does a new parental policy look like? Because... Whilst it's really good for mothers, and it's also so crucial for men. Like yeah. why are men missing out on the first couple of months of their, their kids' life? Is that
0: because they want to or is that because yeah. that's just how society is? It's the man works, the woman stays home. So- but, but also now with, with the change in culture, we're looking at same-sex couples. That's right. So, so, any parent, and, and I think what's really interesting, that just sort of light bulb moment for me was the change that you're trying to create through NAWIC, was looking at women in construction, actually has an overall effect on society. The ripple effect, yeah. And I think to myself, so the people who might be a little bit resistant to what you're trying to do need to be educated on this is actually good for everyone, as yeah. you pointed to. They're like, resisting they- their own change, so they're, they're resisting even- their own progress. Yeah, that's right. Correct. <laughs> You know, if you have parental
1: leave policies, for example, (laughs) it's going to actually increase everybody's life. Everyone knows that as a business, employees are what make your business, right? So having Mm -hmm. valued employees and having people that feel included, they'll give 110% every time. But if you're excluding most of your men in parental leave, for example, Mm -hmm. then they're just going to go by the norm and we will never progress. There's some really great companies out there with um, some really good parental leave in the Mm -hmm. construction industry. Um, That's really positive. We've also seen managing directors that are men taking parental leave. And that's really important. And the reason it's so important is because It removes that stereotype of only women can take parental leave. It's so important there's somebody showing the way and leading that way. And if it's Mm -hmm. a really high figure like a managing director or the CEO and they're taking parental leave, it gives permission for all of the other men and women in their company to do the same. What we've seen, we've seen a lot of companies, and this isn't just in construction, but over my time I've seen a lot of companies have like the open annual leave policy right where you have unlimited annual leave or unlimited sick days how many people actually use that (laughs) like takes it because they don't know you didn't give them any kind of parameters around what that means and what Mm -hmm. does it mean if i take unlimited annual leave and and who's actually utilizing it so Mm -hmm. if you're going to have these amazing policies you're better off having a policy that actually works for your company and employers that they're utilizing. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to have a parental leave policy, if your
0: managing director actually utilizes that, that gives everyone else permission to do the same. We've come nicely full circle because we started the conversation with you in schools, educating students, seeing what's possible in the bricklayer story is role modeling. And you, now we're going down to leadership in organizations, in the C-suite, CEOs who are now also role modeling for their very specific organization to say, it's possible because I've done it. Correct. I'm going to come back to the behavior change. In your experience, apart from education, is there something else that someone like me can do or someone who's listening to this can do today or tomorrow in their organization? to affect that one person what's something really easy that we can do i think The simplest
1: thing is conversations, right? Having Mm -hmm. that conversation with people is so effective. I mean, we talk about suicide um, in construction being so high. Have you had a conversation with the person next to you? Do you know that they are okay? I mean, Mm -hmm. the conversation is so powerful and that can change so many things. I mean, for women in construction, are you speaking to them? Are you including them Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a conversation? What are you doing to make sure that you're just having those conversations within your work? There's so many people that say, oh, we don't know how to speak to a woman or we don't know. (laughs) And I can get it from both sides. I understand it. So from being a male's point of view, and I've heard this number of times come Mm -hmm. through saying, you know we don't want to say the wrong thing we don't want to be looked at like we're sexually harassing her or there's this legitimate fear around bad behaviors that have happened previously from other people that have been instilled and it's like well we don't you know we don't want to rock any boat what do we say how do we do this but that genuine conversation can create behavior change so quickly because you can change anybody's life through a conversation
0: yeah. And and it points to that belonging and inclusion. Correct. And it just went through my head, and again, it's really simplistic, is that when they say, I don't know how to talk to her, I'm like, how do you talk to your sister or your exactly mom? Or It's that ultimately we're just humans. Right, right. But I have to raise men. You and I probably both walked around in car parks holding a key between (laughs) us. You know, we're making sure that we're parking under the lights and we're making sure that we're looking after our friends. Like when our friends are in a cab, text me when you get home. We do all those things. And then I thought to myself, I have boys. I have little men that I need to raise. So how do I, should I be saying the same thing to them? But also how do I put them in a position so they're not in that vulnerable position as you spoke about, which those men that you, you spoke about well, like, if I talk to her, I don't want it to be perceived as sexual harassment. Am I doing the right thing? I don't want to say the wrong thing. That's a tough conversation to have. In your experience, what would you say to someone like me who is a mother trying to raise, well, you know what? Not even men, humans. What is your piece of advice? for mother, for parents raising humans.
1: Well, if we're trying to get rid of the unconscious bias, right? We have to that's all we're raising is humans. We're not raising we're not raising you know, obviously we're raising genders, we're raising boys <laughs> or girls or whatever, yeah. but we're raising humans. So everyone mm-hmm. should be treated the same and mm-hmm. if if we're and I have three daughters. So for me it's always <laughs> It's around how do we um, teach them to be the best that they can be? And I mean, my, my husband teaches them how to change a tire because these are the the life skills that they need,
0: not a gender-based life skill. It's just <laughs> yes. a
1: life skill.
0: Yeah, to your point, it's like as a, as a human, I need to know how to change a tire. I need to know how to cook at least four different meals. Right. Teach them how to sew, how to cook, how to clean. Fixing a shirt or putting on a button or fixing a light bulb. <laughs> I love that. Basic it's just, skills. It's just human basic skills. Yeah. Like and that. there's
1: no gender to it, right? No. So yeah. for somewhere somewhere along the way, we've genderized everything. Changing tire, or maybe it's only a yeah. male. Well, no, because if you're a woman and you're in the middle of nowhere or anywhere on the side of the road, you should be able to change a tire. And a man should know how to cook or should know how to, ch- and they should know how to change a tire. So there's so many. You know, young men that don't know how to change a tire either. So it's about teach them how to be basic good humans.
0: I've got to. I want to start wrapping up the the episode, but um, I haven't asked this to someone in a little while. But <laughs> what did you do recently for fun that was only for you?
1: I think I think the last thing that I did for fun for just me was um a facial and a massage. <laughs> so that was probably it. So nothing amazing. But the other thing was the other night um, I was invited to an awards night and that was just brilliant to go by myself and enjoy it with a couple of friends. That was really lovely.
0: Do you want to spruik Uh
1: let us know where to find you? Yeah, so you can find NAWIC at www.nawic.com.au. Www.nawic, we take on any member who has the same values as we do, anyone who wants to progress women in construction. We offer a assistance program as well through your membership. So if you're um, a woman or a man, we take on anybody. Uh, we're not a she woman club. Um, it's nothing like that. It's um, like a
0: little rascals. Yeah, the, the, it's a she, it's woman she, haters, she woman no. haters. Club. We're not male
1: woman uh, <laughs> male men haters. Nothing like that. Um, we're open for anybody who wants to join us. We're really grateful. We're getting apprentices coming through, all the way through to CEOs and C suite people. So it can be anybody within construction or around those industries. Our volunteers do an amazing job creating a Bunch of events that are amazing. So we have awards nights, we have networking sessions, mm-hmm. we have mentoring sessions, lunch and learns, we do a number of webinars, and we're always just a phone call away. Uh-huh. And we have amazing volunteers, women in construction and men, because we have a range of people that are on our committees, and, and this is their passion, it's their purpose, it's about changing the construction industry. So you'll always feel welcome at NARWIC.
0: Any educators who are listening, I know there, we have a few educators and schools and teachers who are listening in on this pod or even healthcare workers or any yeah. learning and development people across workers' compensation particularly, get to know Lauren and Narwick because um, if you're looking for any fun training or different training aside from the usual how to fix and rehab <laughs> knees, um, have a chat to to and they've got some amazing programs going on. So, Lauren, thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat with My me today
1: thanks so much ria
0: the intelligent rebellion podcast is a three sticks production it is produced written and hosted by me Bria Macardo. will is the emperor of sound mixing and editing and is a talent behind all our original music